Would you please uh, bow your head in prayer? Father, we are uh, very grateful that we can sing words like that and know it's not a fantasy, a fairy tale. It is, uh, it is truth. It's a reality of the story of your great love with which you loved us, that even while we were dead in our transgressions and sins, you made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. And so thank you, Lord. And we want to continue our posture of, of worship as we open up your word and really ask, Lord, that you would lead us into truth. Um, a wonderful passage from the book of Romans, but uh, very uh, deep truths that only your spirit can um, bring to our uh, attention. And we present ourselves to you and ask that you would do that. Thank you, Lord, for what you will accomplish. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hello, uh, Fellowship Bible Church and um, everyone listening. We are glad you're doing that and worshiping with us uh, here online. And as you heard uh, Scott Newland mentioned just a few moments ago, things are going to be changing. And that process of, of, of uh, regathering is going to begin. And it is going to be a process. It's not like uh, we're going to snap our finger and uh, we'll be back the way things were uh, like on March uh, 7th or 8th or whenever the last time was. So it'll be a process. Things won't be quite the same as we get together. Um, but um, uh, praise God, we're going to be moving uh, towards that. Uh, this uh, virus is still very active. It's still very alive, and we want to be careful, and we want uh, you to stay safe. So, um, again, please continue to pray for our um, teams here, our, our elders, our leadership teams, as we think this process through. And um, excited, though, to see what has been coming. And, and, you know, we're also very encouraged that things we're hearing about how God is... Um, ministering in your lives, in your hearts through all this. Um, some wonderful examples of God's faithfulness to us in, in many, many ways. So um, anyway, we, we're, we're moving forward. You know, many, um, many people are speculating of how this crazy COVID-19 virus got started. And uh, we, we will probably never know. Uh, speculations abound. Um, one thing is certain, there was a starting point. There was somebody who got this virus and spread it to someone else or and then someone else and someone else. And all of a sudden, uh, we've got millions of people around the world um, dealing with the chaos and death of, um, of something that started with somebody somewhere. We may never know um, where that all began. But there is something of certainty regarding the virus of sin. For the Bible tells us we know exactly how that virus got started. We know exactly where that began. And in the passage of Scripture we're going to look at uh, this morning, it tells us. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. Through one man, sin entered the world. Who was that one man? Well, that one man was Adam. 
And Genesis uh, chapter 3 tells us that. Uh, The spiritual pandemic of sin and death came through one man, Adam. But it didn't stop there. Through Adam, it was spread through the world to every person born after that. Because as we'll see in this passage, we are linked to Adam. In some mysterious way, we are linked to Adam. So let's, uh, let's, read, this, uh, let's read this passage um, a little more fully and try to get into it a little more deeply. It says uh, in verse 12 again, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Verse 13 says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. Now, two words dominate this little paragraph. Did you see them there? Two words, sin and death. Through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and sin spread, or, um, and death spread to all men because all sinned, verse 13, or until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of that. Death and sin dominate this passage. The first man, Adam, the focal point here, And it was through him that sin entered the world. He opened the door and sin entered. In a point in time action, sin entered the world and death through sin. Adam opened the door in which sin entered the world. You think historically, 1492, Christopher Columbus uh, sailed the ocean blue, right? Uh, He discovered the new world, but he also discovered something else. He discovered syphilis. And as he returned back uh, to Europe, his men took that disease of syphilis and began to spread it around. In fact, by the 16th century, syphilis was the major disease in Europe. Um, Columbus discovered the New World, but um, he also discovered syphilis. He also brought with him to the New World, to North America, Diseases like diphtheria and measles and, and smallpox and malaria, which wrecked havoc to the indigenous peoples in North America. Well, the first human, Adam, brought sin in the world when he disobeyed and rebelled against God. And the passage is saying, along with Adam, death was spread to all because in some mysterious way, we are in Adam. Um, But if you don't look at that last part of verse 12, it says death spread because all sinned. Death spread, and it doesn't say because Adam sinned. It changes there at the last part of verse 12. Death spread to all because all sinned. Um, It's kind of strange wording. But what the Apostle Paul is teaching us is this theological principle that Sin is imputed. It is charged to the account of everybody born after Adam because in in some mysterious way, as Adam represented the whole race of mankind, all of mankind was somehow in Adam. We sinned, as it were, in Adam. And what was true of Adam became true of us. 
What happened to Adam happened to us. He brought sin. We are born in sin. God said, in the day you will die, physical death, spiritual death, emotional death, psychological death, death would take place. And death has taken place in the life of mankind ever since because it was imputed to our account. And what was true of Adam became true of us. God holds the entire human race culpable because all have sinned. There's no getting around it. We're all going to die because in some mysterious way, when Adam sinned, it was passed on to all of us because in Adam, we also sinned. Now, if you keep reading in verse 13 and 14, Paul makes uh, this very interesting point. He says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed. The NIV, if you have an NIV translation, said it's not charged to someone's account. The word means to be, it's not itemized on your account list when there is no law. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over, over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. Sin was present even before the law, the code of God was given by Moses many, many years later. Sin was present because death was present. Um, sin was present even though there was not a law code. Death was still there. Um, even though the list, the itemized list of this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, wasn't written yet in the, in the law of God given to mankind in the law, in the code. For many years, I would drive from my home to church here to um, 3217 Middle Road uh, and not have to stop for a single traffic light. I mean, th th this was wonderful, especially for a kid coming from Nebraska, right? Sadly, uh, I today have to go through six traffic lights to get here. Now, in the past, I would just drive through those intersections and it was no big deal because there was no law that said, if you go through this red light, you are violating the law. Because there was no law. There was no red light. Now I've got six of them i got to watch out for. And if I go through an intersection on a red light, well, I have broken the law and I could be fined. I have broken the law. Um, what Paul is saying here, and it's an interesting point, is that in order to have death, there had to be a command to break. There was no law code written. And yet death was still there. Why? How? Why, why, why did death continue to reign from Adam until Moses? Because in Adam, we all broke the law of God. We were, that, that sin and death was imputed, was brought over to our account. Because Adam sinned. And in Adam's sinning, we all sinned. And so Paul's conclusion is that the whole human race actually sinned when Adam sinned and broke the command of God and stands accountable before God. Death reigned. Even, he said, from Adam until Moses, King Death ruled. By the way, if you ever want evidence of that, um, that story all took place in Genesis 3. And in Genesis, by Genesis 5, we're reading 
Uh, in fact, the whole chapter is a genealogy table. And you read in Genesis chapter 5, um, you know, Adam lived so many years. Uh, verse 5, all the days of Adam were 930 years. And he died. And then it talks about his son, Seth. And Seth lives 912 years. Verse 8, and he died. And in verse 9, his son Enosh lived 900 and so years, um, 905 years, verse 11, and he died. And his son Kenan, and all the days of Kenan, verse 14, were 910 years, and he died. And on and on and on it goes throughout chapter 5. Punctuating this truth, death reigned. King death reigned. In colonial days, the New England primer would teach kids how to do the ABCs. And uh, they would use these little uh, two-line moral maxims, like, for instance, A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. The letter X was, Xerxes the Great died, and so must you and I. The colonial New England primer. Um, this is right out of the Romans uh, 5, verses 12 through 14. The point here is that the human race is linked to Adam there is a theological reason why physical death occurs. We sinned in Adam. Everyone born into this world is born with the nature of Adam. We sinned in Adam. But the last part of verse 14 makes another little interesting point. It says, Adam was a, a type of him who was to come. A type, a, a pattern. Uh, Paul is saying that Adam is a pattern for Jesus Christ. Now, in what way? Well, again, Adam's sin was placed to our account. And the, the judicial consequences of Adam's sin was our own death. But in the same way, there are judicial consequences to Jesus Christ's death. Jesus Christ died his righteous death and payment for our sins. And therefore, as we've been studying the book of Romans, his righteousness is imputed, is brought over now to our account. Adam is a type of Christ in the sense that as his sin and death is imputed to our account and therefore we are born sinners and die, Jesus' Christ's righteousness is imputed to our account. What does that mean? We sinned in Adam, and death is the consequence. We die in Jesus Christ. We are identified with him and his righteousness and his life now becomes ours. Now, we're going to see this unpacked more as we get into Romans 6, 7, and 8. You see, what Paul is suggesting here is we're either linked to Adam or we're linked to Christ. Those are the only two options. Now, he's focusing, starting in verse 15, on that linkage to Jesus Christ. So he makes the transition. So look again now at verse 15 as we continue. Verse 15 says, But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. And man, am I glad that verse begins with the word but. It is a very strong uh, contrast that is being mentioned here. A major contrast. 
But the free gift is not like the transgression. On the one hand, you've got Adam, and along with Adam, sin and death. And then comes the other man, the, the second Adam, as it were, Jesus Christ. And along with Jesus comes righteousness, grace, life. Now, the following verses are going to deal, uh, detail this contrast between Adam and Jesus Christ. Um, our identity with Adam is by our physical birth. We're born a human being with Adam's nature. Our identity with Jesus Christ is also by a birth. It's not physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. Again, look at verse 15. Uh, and notice the contrast. Uh, but the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. There's two choices. We are either going to be in Adam or we're going to be in Christ. And verse 15 says, in Adam, because of his transgression, death came. In Christ, however, because of his grace, it says, because of the, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. So by his grace comes a gift. Now, what is that gift? Well, we've seen from the book of uh, Romans that we've studied, it's the gift of his righteousness. God gives us the gift of his righteousness as a free gift. Verse 16 continues the thought. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. So what do we have with verse 16? Judgment, it says, came. And with the judgment came the condemnation. Now, Again, folks, you're probably not seeing me, but you're seeing this, uh, this overhead, this screen. That's, that's good. It's a blessing for you. But notice the word judgment and condemnation. The word condemnation there is a Greek word, katakrima, which conveys the idea of the, the sentence that is passed. It is the result of the judgment that is pronounced. Verse 16 is saying, the gift is not like the one uh, um, which came through the, the one who sinned. On the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression and it resulted in the, the passing of a sentence, the catechrima. The condemnation is actually um, a, a pronouncement that mankind will now be in servitude to sin. A sentence passed, and that sentence that is passed is the condemnation of being mastered by sin. Mankind, because of our identification in Adam, must serve sin. But then it says, on the other hand, that free gift, that free gift of God's righteousness, arose, um, but on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, that resulted in justification. 
Now, again, there's a little word that, we, we, it, this is a different word that is used, this word justification, from the typical word that is used for justification. Justification is that theological term that means to be declared uh, right before God, acquitted of all crimes. This is a slightly different word, even though our translators translate the word justification. It's a word that literally means a righteous action. A, a righteous action. Um, the free gift of God's righteousness, the last part of verse 16, um, resulted in righteous action. I, I want to suggest here that what Paul is beginning to um, uh, introduce to us is how we as, as people born in sin in Adam can transfer our, um, can, can see our lives transformed by being under the servitude to sin so that all that we're capable of doing is sinning and being transferred to live a life of righteous actions. All right? Keep reading. Verse 17. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. So in verse 17, we have the, the reign of death contrasted with the reign of life. Some, something's different here. In Adam, we all sinned, and with sin came death. And what is death? It is a life separated from the life of God. But in Christ, life reigns. It says in verse 18, So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation, and there's that same word again, servitude to sin, even so, through one act of righteousness, and by the way, that's the same word that's used at the end of chapter, uh, verse 16, the, the act of right, and a righteous action, there resulted in justification of life, the acquittal of our sins, and the, um, the, the, the imparting of life, of Christ's life to our account. Verse 19 says, For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Because of Adam, we're made sinners. Because of Jesus Christ, we are made righteous. Something transformative takes place the moment we trust Christ as our Savior. Do you see this movement from Adam to Christ? Verse 20, the law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the reign of sin, it's over. Through Jesus Christ, we now have the reign of grace. An entirely different perspective and outlook. Through one act of sin, death came. Through one act of righteousness, life came. And so what these verses have been telling us is that there is a great reversal that is taking place. 
And folks, I, I feel like we're just scratching the surface of the depth of meaning that's, that's buried in these passages. This is profound. The, the reign of life has begun. Life is, is joy and peace and, and spiritual vitality and enrichment and inner, uh, inner power, inner strength. It's, it's, um, it's, being, it's living out and, and experiencing all that God has created us to experience. It's becoming all that God has meant us to become when he created us and breathed into us his life. It's going back to that intimacy, as it were, with, with God in the garden. It is, it is fulfillment of all that God has for us. And by the way, next week, Dennis McNutt is going to unpack this concept of life and death uh, even further. Death, well, it's the, abs- it's, it's the opposite of that. It's the absence of life. Death is emptiness. It's, it's loneliness. It's misery. It's despair. It's boredom. It's restlessness. It is the absence of life. How much, how much of our past week was characterized by, by death? How much of this past week did we really experience life and life in abundance? What Paul is saying here is that Christ's death provides such abundant grace that when we are identified with him at the moment of our faith in Christ, there's this grand reversal that takes place. And now the potential to live out righteous actions, righteousness lived out in our life is now a potential. It's now can become a reality. Whereas before in Adam, it never could be a reality. You can have life in the midst of the pressures and the circumstances of life. We can experience the fullness and the abundance of joy and of his presence and peace because of Jesus. Life in the midst of death. And what Paul is saying here is that in Jesus Christ, we reign in life now. Now the implications of this passage are, are monumental. They're huge. And let me just walk through a couple of things. One of the implications, and this is more of maybe an aside, is that in Paul's mind, Adam was a historical figure. This is based on historical truth. Adam, the story of Genesis, um, I would say you could say Paul was a creationist. This was true. It's a historical account. And to deny the historical reality of Adam and the fall would be to deny everything that, he's, that we're saying is being offered by Jesus. The second thing I want to say by implication of this passage is that no sin is trivial. It was one sin that plunged the world into this ruin and chaos. It was because of that one sin that, uh, done, that was committed by Adam that we are experiencing this mess of of, of sickness and disease, of, of the turmoil of, a, of, a, of an earth that, Paul will say in Romans 8, is groaning, is crying out to be relieved of it all. Um, one sin. We are suffering this pandemic because of sin. I conducted a, a funeral this past week. That funeral was because someone died 
and someone died because of Adam's sin. Now, we like to sugarcoat sin. We like to call it differently. Someone wrote this. Man calls it an accident. God calls it an abomination. Man calls it a, a, a blunder. God calls it blindness. Man calls it a defect. God calls it a disease. Man calls it a chance. God says it's a choice. Man calls it a fascination. God says it's a fatality. Man calls it a mere infirmity. God calls it an iniquity. Man calls it a luxury. God calls it leprosy. Man calls it a liberty. God calls it lawlessness. Man calls it but a trifle. God calls it a tragedy. Man calls it a mere mistake. God calls it madness. Man calls it a weakness. And God calls it willfulness. Death or life. It's amazing how we will sugarcoat things. Remember our verse a year or two ago in Isaiah chapter 5? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We need to call it for what it is. Sin is sin. It's a rebellion against God. And it has led to the reign of death. A third implication is simply this. No amount of human righteousness is going to remedy sin. That's very evident in our study of the book of Romans. No amount of human goodness, no amount of law-abiding, law-keeping, no amount of human good works is ever going to remedy sin. Sin. It can only be remedied by the one man, Jesus Christ. And did you see how many times in this passage that was emphasized? Verse 17, through the one. Verse 18, through the one act of righteousness. Verse 19, through the obedience of the one. Verse 21, through Jesus Christ our Lord. No, sin can only be remedied through Jesus Christ. And so that's a fourth implication. We are either in Adam or we are in Christ. There are no two other options. We are either in Adam or we are in Christ. Our spiritual identity is either going to be in Adam, and if so, it's the reign of death. Or, because of what Jesus Christ has done, we find ourselves in Christ. And his righteousness and his life can be manifested in ours. Uh, you see, we either have the curse of Adam or we will experience the cure of Christ. There's only two options. We either have the curse of Adam or we have the cure of Christ. Um, on this Mother's Day, we are um, celebrating, of course, you moms and the, the role that God has, has, has given you um, in the shaping of, of our lives. Um, but let's be very clear. Your children are born in sin. That's what this passage is saying. Your children are born sinners in Adam. 
Now, we believe here and we teach here that God in his grace, there is uh, a term we call the age of accountability. And though everyone is born in Adam, we do believe that though Adam's sin is imputed to the account of your children, God in his sovereign plan and his sovereign grace somehow has, has allowed that, that age of accountability to take place so that there is sufficient grace until your children reach that age of accountability. Sufficient grace that if they were to die, they would go home to heaven. I, the purpose of this sermon is not to develop that. There's not a lot in the scriptures about it. But I hear the words of Jesus when he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Forbid it not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. I know the story of, of David when he lost his, his precious little child because of that sin he had with Bathsheba. And though he said, I cannot come to you, you cannot come back to me, he said, but I will go to you. Genesis chapter 18, 25 says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And so we believe that those little babies, if they pass on from this life and death, that they will experience the life in heaven until they reach that age of accountability. But moms, I just want to emphasize this to you. Don't take that for granted. Don't take the f- for granted the fact that maybe there's a Christian environment. You read a Bible story to your kids. Good for you. And of course, this can apply to dads too, but that's next month. It's Mother's Day. And I just want to encourage you and exhort you. Um, there is great urgency upon you now to teach your children. There's great hope. You know, this can be a bittersweet day. Mother's Day for many of you. Some of you may have lost a child in, in, um, in infancy, a, a miscarriage. Maybe it was later. Maybe it was an adult child. Um, we, we don't know for sure, but what God calls, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but God calls us to be faithful and to train up those children. Our baptism services here at Fellowship Bible Church are wonderful times, especially when those kids get up and they share their simple little testimony of how they came to faith in Jesus Christ. And moms, you have that role. You play that part. And God bless you as you do it uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to urge you with the strongest of urgencies, your children are born with sin. And it will manifest itself. And and. And once they reach and pass this age of accountability, it is, they must trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They're, and they've got to do it personally. You can't impart your faith to them. They have to personally trust Christ as their Savior. You can't, however, impart what you don't personally possess. And so moms or, or parents or any of us listening Are you in the in Adam circle today or are you in Christ? Where are you? You've got the two choices. And the way you get out of the Adam circle into the in Christ circle is by receiving this message of the gospel by faith. In fact, verse 17 says, For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace receive the gift of righteousness. It will result in the justification of life through that one, Jesus Christ. Have you received the free gift of eternal life? 
I mentioned earlier that to be in Adam, it was simply our physical birth. We did nothing. We just were born. And we were born in sin to experience the inevitable physical death. To be in Christ takes a second birth. To be born again. That's what Jesus told the religious leader Nicodemus. You must be born again. Jesus came to this earth and he took our sin, that which was causing our eternal death upon himself, and he died in our place. And he invites us to transfer ourselves out of the in Adam circle to the in Christ circle to receive the free gift of his righteousness, to receive the free gift of eternal life by faith and faith alone. Will you put your trust in Jesus Christ? And then will you, moms, will you train your children to love Jesus as best as you can? Will you, will you direct them to, to understand this good news message of Jesus and pray for your kids and model it in your home so that they will grow up and love Jesus too? Through faith in Christ alone, we're transferred from Adam to Christ. There's an old ancient legend tells of a merchant in Baghdad who had a servant. And the servant went to the market one morning and as he's in the crowd doing his work in the market, he's jostled about and by a man and he turns around and he sees and he's looking into the face of death. And he's startled. It brought a shiver down his spine. In fact, even death looked at him and, and death was startled and, and made some ominous gesture to him. Well, the servant ran back home to his master very shaken. And he said, my master, I, 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 I need to borrow your horse. I need, to, I need to flee Baghdad. I must flee to Samaria. Why? What, what happened? He said, I was in the market and death came upon me. And he pointed to me. He's here for me. I must flee. Well, the kind merchant allowed the servant to take his horse and the servant fled to Samaria. But the merchant himself went down to that market. He sought out death. He found death and he said, why did you upset my servant so? Why, why, why did you do that at the marketplace? He's so frightened. Death said, I was startled myself when I saw him. For you see, I saw him in Baghdad, but I've been told that I'm supposed to meet him tonight in Samaria. <laughs> Folks, you can't cheat death. Physical death cannot be avoided. But here's the good news. The reign of death can. And that's what Romans 6, 7, and 8 is all going to tell us. How we can experience the abundance of life and the reign of life and the righteousness in a practical way in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Um, there's good news that we've already heard in the book of Romans. Good news of a Savior who died for us. And there's good news coming in Romans 6, 7, and 8 about how we can experience and live out while we await physical death. We can live out the reign of life right now, right here, and experience eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you bow your head, please? Father, we're very grateful that you have uh, given us uh, this truth, that you've unpacked for us um, the reasons why the world is, is in the mess that it's in, why uh, death is reigning. It's because of one man, Adam. 
But Father, we're so grateful that there is a contrast because a second man came, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The second Adam arose. And Father, whatever mess was brought because of the first Adam, we now have the greatness and the blessing of grace and life through the second one. I pray, Father, that we will put our trust in him and him alone. And if there's anyone here who's listened to this this morning and is not sure of their eternal salvation, may, Father, your Holy Spirit convince them in this moment it's not about them. It's about what you have provided for them in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.